Welcome back, everybody. We have come to Encounter with God here on Faith FM. The quiz, the quiz is still out there. It's still out there. It's still at large. It is still running around. The, I'm not sure uh, how many people have had a crack <clears throat> at it so far, but we've had a bunch of them, and nobody um, has yet got it right. Yeah, no, no, nobody's got this right. I don't know. Do you think this is a hard one, Lyle? Well, I missed the first clue. I got the second clue, which could have been one of three cities. You didn't get the second clue. No, I didn't get the second clue, yeah. but I heard the second clue, which went, and I picked the wrong, wrong one out of three. True. But then you had it by the, third, the clue. third clue was a dead giveaway. So Apparently. We, okay, can we have the first one again? Because I don't even know what the first one was. I want to know. The Book what, of Nahum is a prophecy about this uh, city. I would have got that. Yeah, well, that's, you know, remains to be seen. Uh, okay, so this is Actually, I might not have done because yeah. when, when you've already when you already know the answer, it's like yeah, that's obvious, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. But when it's not obvious, clue number four, I think it's time for. Though God was planning to destroy this city, He chose not to because the whole city repented. Even I would have gotten this one now. <laughs> the whole city repented. Is this the one of the only times in the Bible where an entire city has repented, Lyle? An entire city. Let me think about that. Um, maybe. Yeah. It might just be. It might just be. Give us a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843. If you want to have a look at the clues again, just go to Instagram. Our, our handle is Live, lowercase one word, and you can watch our Insta story. Just click your finger on the um, profile picture. Make sure your sound is on and you can hear me giving all the clues. Okay, so if we go to Revelation chapter 21, we are going to do some myth-busting today. We're going to bust in some urban myths. There is an urban myth going around that the New Jerusalem is a cube. Uh, Yeah, this is one that I believed for a very long time. Um, And it is not actually the case. And I remember seeing uh, lots of images of a giant, shiny, crystallish kind of cube, glass cube coming out of the sky. I've seen paintings of that. Yep. No. There are you can you can jump online and you can see as you say, as you say images of the New Jerusalem and it's all as a big cube. It's just seriously. This is not Well, the let's case. find out why people have believed that. Yeah, 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 yeah. We 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 do need to do that. Okay, so um I'm just sort of sitting here looking up uh, the Taj Mahal at the moment, but anyway. Why would you be looking up the Taj Mahal? That's a really good question. I want, why would I be looking up the Taj Mahal? New quiz, ladies and gentlemen, why is yeah. Lyle looking up the Taj Mahal? Okay, we'll find out in just a moment, but uh, hopefully we'll get that far in our Bible study Revelation chapter oh, 21. I think, I think I've guessed why, but I'm going to withhold my answer until we get there. Revelation 21 and verse 1. Please, Mark. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. Okay. Mm. There you go. So here's what you've got, and this is really, um, in Revelation 21 and verse 1, it really is a, uh, let me say, a, a, a continuation of chapter 20. Okay, yeah. They actually put the chapter break in the wrong place. It should have been at the end of this verse rather than the beginning of this verse. That was That's what would have actually made sense. But anyway, this is the end of the millennium. So this, if you want to know how the millennium ends, this is how the millennium finally comes to a conclusion during the millennium, as we mentioned the other day. Mm-hmm. The righteous have that opportunity to be able to uh, to, to witness and to see that the judgments of God are correct, that every answer is, every question is answered, every every question has uh, been resolved, there is no doubt in anybody's mind, so that there's no seed of doubt that will remain anywhere in the universe, 
that God is love, God is just, God is merciful, and God is 100% righteous. Um, and then, of course, um, as you you know, you, you continue on with um, with with that thought, you've got the Great White Throne Judgment, where um, the wicked, just in case, just in case the wicked have something that they could say in defence of themselves, God raises them back to life, and it's almost like God going as far as He can possibly go, as far as far as far as far as far as He can possibly go, to remove any shadow of doubt. It's Is like, okay, guys, here's the record. What are you going to say? He's being as merciful as he can be. Yeah. yeah. And he's trying to get rid of sin in such a way that it will never come back, ever, ever I again. Mean, if you think about the the world's justice systems and how flawed and corrupt they are, like this is God just trying to be as fair and as transparent as he could possibly be. Completely yeah. transparent. There's no gag orders. The media is allowed in. Um, you know, it's on TV. You'd never see this. Uh, you'd never see humans it's live. giving each other this kind of courtesy, this kind of transparency. No, yeah, it never, never would happen it on that planet. Doesn't planning. exist. Yeah. But God gives the ultimate transparency, and of course, when the wicked confess with their own mouth that, yeah, actually, we are lost, we cannot be saved, um, we would destroy the universe if we were allowed to continue. Then that is the last act in uh, in, in making sure that sin never ever comes back to this earth. Um, or, or to the universe ever, ever again. Mm-hmm. And so then God does something super special, and that's what we have in 21 verse 1, where the Bible says that God recreates the world. That's so exciting. So exciting. Okay, so let's think about that for a moment. The size of the New Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. It's a big city. Yeah. Uh, it stretches approximately, if you'll put it here in Australia, from here to Adelaide. Wow. What? That's a big city. That's enormous. From Newcastle to Adelaide. Mm-hmm. Has a wall that goes around it. A wall. Yeah, it's about 70 metres tall. Mm-hmm. So it's decent. Mm-hmm. It's hugely decent. Yep. And its height is equal to its width, width, which is equal to its length. That would make it a cube, Lyle. Nope, doesn't make a cube. I made a cube. If it's got equal sides on all sides, I didn't say it had equal sides. I said its height was equal to its width, which is equal to its length. Its height is equal to its width, which is equal to its length. Yes, I did not say it had equal sides. Explain I said that. Yourself. In fact, I said the sides were only seventy meters tall. Right. So, if you look at the Taj Mahal, yes. This is exactly where I knew you were going to go with this. You've got to compare the New Jerusalem to the Taj Mahal to give us an idea. I knew yeah. you were going to take that. Okay. All right. So it's a square. Is it? Yeah. Taj Mahal is a square. Okay. So its length is equal to its width. Now, I was looking for a better example than this because its height is not the exact same, as, but it's kind of close mm-hmm. to its length as it is to its width. But does that make it a square? A cube, sorry. Is the Taj Mahal a cube? No. Let's say that, let's say that, okay, so. Because uh, it needs depth as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's say that, because uh, we know that the footprint of the Taj Mahal is a square. And let's say that the height of the Taj Mahal was exactly the same height as the length or the width of the Taj, Taj Mahal. This is, this is getting way too mathematical for this. No, it's not. Yeah. No, it's not. Yeah, yeah. Go All on. you've got is um, 580 meters mm-hmm. by 580 meters. That's on the bottom. 
That's the like the floor plan. That's the floor plan. Yeah, okay, on the floor. And plan. let's say that the spire on the very top of it was also five hundred and eighty meters. Yeah, so one, two, and three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then the height is equal to the width. Okay, great. It's five hundred and eighty meters. Great. That doesn't make it a cube, does it? No, I mean not in, in like perfect shape, no. 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 Yeah, no, it's, no. A, it's a very beautiful shape. It, it just has means domes it's five and it has pillars and yeah. it has great arches and doorways and Yeah, yeah. No, I mean no no no. It, it, I mean just because it's equal in in, it, in its dimensions as in, at the tallest and the highest the highest and the widest and the longest point doesn't make the rest of it a perfect cube. Not at exactly. all. Exactly. That's not my whole point right there. Okay. And so this whole concept of the New Jerusalem being a cube is a myth. When you measure the height of a house, you measure it from the peak of the roof. Mm-hmm. You don't then assume that that roof is square. It's just at its highest point. Now, if the sides were all equal, if all sides were equal, it would be a square. So if the sides, the measurement of the sides was the same measurement um, all the way around, that would make, sorry, a cube, that would make it a cube. Okay, I thought there because was we're a measuring verse the that height about the, rather than about the like it being covered in glass or something. Huh? Isn't there some because okay, isn't it when the, you it's see the paved pictures, with glass, not covered with glass? Okay, so I thought it was like in a case. Yeah, no, like Mm-mm. in a big case. Nope, nope, nope. Okay, nope. it is paved with glass. It is not covered with glass. This is um, what happens when you draw inaccurate a- pictures and then you show them to kids. This is true. Mm-hmm. This is true. Um. We need to uh, always be careful in how we uh, read the Bible. So the Bible says that basically it's it, the, the floor plan is even, yeah. so one side to the other, yep. uh, length and width. And at its highest point, which uh, is how you at its highest point, it's the same as the length yeah. or the width. Okay. That's right. Gotcha. Uh-huh. So yep. it's, yeah, it's Taj Mahali. Yeah, kind of like that. Just was... way bigger than the Taj Mahal could ever possibly be. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, so what we have discovered so far is that we have a very large city here nonetheless. And if it stretches all the way from here to Adelaide on one side, then we do know that um, the higher points of that will extend far past our present atmosphere. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, good point, actually. So that might explain how... Space is only like two k's away. Uh, it's only two k's? No, it's more than that. No, it's very, it's yeah, very it's close. Yeah, it's more than two k's. But anyway. Um, or is it 20 k's? I can't remember. But it's very close. It's not as close as we imagine it is. It, it is. It is. We have a we have a, um, a thin atmosphere around our world. And, and this will uh, extend past And it. Newcastle maybe, to Adelaide. Maybe that explains how we're able to fly in the new way further. Oh, Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Or maybe we're going to have an entirely different atmosphere. Maybe our atmosphere is going to be like super thick and super high, and maybe it used to be like that before the flood. Who knows? Well, it definitely tells you one thing, that God's going to definitely take care of all fears because I'm sure at that height there'll be plenty of people who have a fear of heights. Well, you know, come, this, this brings us back to our verse right here because this verse is about God recreating the world, and when God recreates the world, I want to find a place that has a good view. Yeah, I think you're going to be able to find it at this And I time. think I'm going to be able to find it, and I think I'm going to have better eyesight than what I have right now. And if I don't have better, well, I'm going to have better eyesight, but if it's not quite good enough, I'm still going to employ the use of a telescope because 
I want to see what happens when Jesus stands up on his throne, you know, somewhere high and lifted up above the city there, somewhere wherever God's throne is. Mm-hmm. And Jesus says, ah, let there be grass. Oh, yeah, it's going to be amazing. And suddenly the whole world is just like, whoa, it's green. Grass. Yeah. Let there be trees and suddenly you've got massive trees just all over the place. Let there be birds and suddenly they're just all flying around your head. Let there be... I don't know, lizards. Do you ever reckon that... Um, that there be elephants, In the same way that bees. the flood left behind, you know, relics and fossil records, that kind of thing. Do you reckon the new earth, if we dug down deep enough... Because it's not like he's like clicking his fingers and the world disappears and a new one comes in place. It's like he's renovating the old one, right? Do you reckon there'll be like fossils? Okay, so this is my opinion. I'm going to share my opinion. Mm-hmm. All right, and I'm going to give you a little bit of um, Bible evidence to back it up. Um, we did speak about the great earthquake mm-hmm. uh, that flattens everything. So the earth is completely flattened at the, after Jesus comes back. Yeah. Right? So the earth is flattened. I want you to combine. So that's going to make it very, very hard to find any relic of you know human existence. And particularly after a thousand years, that's a long time, you know, Anything metal is going to rust. Anything plastic is going to degrade, etc. But you might say, well, you know, there are things that are older than that today are that have sure, survived. Are you sure plastic's going to degrade? Um, let me read you what the Bible says in Second Peter, because it's a really good question. Second Peter, chapter three and verse ten, where the Bible says, "But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away. That's the atmosphere with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also, and the works that are therein, shall be burned up." And so, what I see here is a process in which God flattens the earth with that earthquake. Every island, every mountain is moved away. There's no more sea. Uh, We're going to read that a little bit further on in uh, today's Bible study. And then as a, uh, and then having done that, he turns the whole surface to molten lava. Okay. That's going to get rid of your plastics. It's going to get rid of your metals. It's going to um, get rid of all of your organic matter. Basically, what God is going to do is to um, remove any evidence of the previous existence of the previous world whatsoever at all. So, no, you can't go and do archaeology and go, oh, here's some evidence of sin. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, then what you've got is at the very end of time, the Bible says that he pours down fire on top of the wicked after the end of the thousand years. And the indication is that that fire is very thorough because the Bible says it leaves nothing but ash. It burns root and branch. And if you get a fire that's hot enough to burn the roots out of the ground, that is a hot fire. Yeah, very much so. And it's a thorough fire. So I think that God is thoroughly cleansing the universe of any trace of sin whatsoever at all. However, I do believe that if you wanted to question God at some point in the future, because the power of choice will always remain, it is sacred. And if a new world somewhere along the line came along and said, we're not so sure about God. I do believe that there is a record that God could sit down and say, hey, sit down in front of this screen right here. Take a look at what happens when you try an alternative from my government of love. Here's 6,000 years worth of history. And after, I think, the first five minutes, they'll have plenty enough PTSD to not ever want to go there ever again. God is ensuring. He is keeping a record. He's ensuring that sin never, ever, ever comes back again. 
And we could be ambassadors for that cause as oh, well. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. People come and ask us like, yeah, we're not so sure about guys. Like, yeah, okay, right. let me tell you our story. Yeah, yeah. Well, let us tell you our story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and you will never want to go there. Story of Earth. Again. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so that's what we've got, we've got here in Revelation 21, verse 1. We um, Verse uh, 2 and 3, please, Mon. 2 and 3 says, And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. And be their God, it says in my translation. Uh, which is really fantastic because, you know, this is God moving the center of the universe, his throne to this earth. Amen. And this earth is just a tiny speck. It's a piece of dust. It's such an honor. But God moves his, his throne here so that for the rest of eternity when people go, what? God's in the Milky Way? God's on planet Earth? Why is God's throne there? It's a testimony. Right there. It testifies of his power. It testifies of his love. It testifies of his grace. It testifies of the whole story of the plan of salvation. And it's a testimony that lasts for eternity. Amen. Verse 4. Says, he will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there'll be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Gone forever. That's why we know that eternal Hellfire is a myth. Another myth busted right here. No such thing as eternal hellfire because the Bible says that after the wicked have been devoured, the Bible says, in hellfire, then there will be no more death. There will be no more sorrow. There will be no more crying. There will be no more pain. This is not qualified by saying, oh, just amongst the righteous. No, it is a universal statement. No more pain. This is a great busting chapter. Oh, this is a great yeah. chapter. and There's so much good news right here because this is the end of the controversy. This is where God wins. This is where sin and evil and pain and suffering are gone forever. This is just, you know, these two chapters, the ultimate chapters in the book, of, in, in the Bible. And this is why the Bible finishes this way. It finishes with a tremendous triumph for God and for God's people. Uh, verse 5, 6 and 7, please, Mon. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, Write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, It is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. So this is not just the angel saying, hey, write down this or look at this or write down what you've seen. This is Jesus Christ himself speaking. I am Alpha and Omega. Write it down. Mm. And, um, yeah, what an incredible uh, statement we've got right there. You know, I make all things new. Everything is made new uh, in this universe. But, of course, there is a flip side to it, and God does not leave us without warning. And God uses strong language when he warns us. Uh, verse 8, if you could read that for us, please, Mon. But cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt, murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshippers, and all liars, their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. And notice that the Bible describes hellfire as death, mm. not life. 
That's right. There is nowhere in the Bible that hellfire is described as life. It is only ever described as death. That's because when people go to hellfire, they, they die. die. Yeah. The it's Bible says the soul that sins, it will die. Mm-hmm. Plain and simple language. Oh yeah, continuing on in verse 9, it says, And there came one of the seven angels which had the seven seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come, and I will show you the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain, and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. Mm. Okay, so here it comes. Here comes the new Jerusalem, and John is taken there to see it. Okay, this is The Holy City with Gavin Coyle. Last night I lay sleeping, there came a dream so fair. I stood in old Jerusalem beside the temple there. I heard the children singing, and ever as they sang, methought the voice of angels from heaven and
New earth there seemed to be I saw the holy city Beside the tideless sea The light of God was on its streets The gates were open wide And all who would might enter And no one was denied No need of moon or stars by night Or sun to shine by Gavin Coyle with The Holy City. Nothing could be more pertinent to what we are studying today than a song about the Holy City, the New Jerusalem. You know, when I was in Ethiopia, and I know I've shared a little bit about this before, but uh, when I was in Lalibela, Lalibela the, is divided into two halves. One half is earthly Jerusalem, one half is heavenly Jerusalem. And so you've got all of the uh, rock-cut churches of earthly Jerusalem and all of the symbolism there, and then you cut across to heavenly Jerusalem. And one of the reasons why it was built that way was that uh, Gebra Meskel uh, Lalibela, who founded the city, um, he was the king who founded the city, had spent time in uh, Jerusalem as a young person. And, of course, Jerusalem was then captured by uh, Islam and he felt that it may no longer be a place of pilgrimage for Christians. And so he wanted to create a new place of pilgrimage for Christians. And so he was uh, creating or recreating another Jerusalem in Ethiopia. Wow. And so that was some of the history behind it, the, the motivation behind why they chose to uh, to build it in the way that they did. But it's just amazing how it tells the whole gospel story as you move from one church to another. It's just incredible. Yeah. I wonder how many of our listeners now want to go to Ethiopia. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, great place to go. Just do the uh, the Northern Loop would be my recommendation. Uh, Lalibela, Aksum and Gonda and you will get the best of Ethiopia. Well, that's, that's, that's if you want to get the best of it in a short space of time. 
Let me give you the next clue for our quiz. I think this might be our final clue, actually. I think we're going to come up with our DIY clues after this, seeing as no one's got it, because it is very hard. However, actually, no, I can break this clue into two clues, but this is going to make it very, very easy. So, clue number one, two, three, four, five. Jonah preached repentance to this city for 40 days. Which city did Jonah preach repentance to for 40 days? Oh, I wonder That's what Jonah that city might in be. in the whale, preaching repentance to a city for 40 days. Give us a call if you know the answer. 1-800 is our number, and we will give you a copy of Stephen Boar's Prophecies, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde book. There you go. So give us a call right now. Uh, that number again, 1-800-324-843. We have been reading here about the New Jerusalem. We have been having music about the New Jerusalem. And uh, let's continue reading. Where were we up to? Uh, let's start in verse 12. In fact, why don't you read for us verse 12 to the end of the chapter. We'll have are, the longest, the longest Bible reading we have ever had on Faith FM. We let's break a record. This I think morning. this might be a second longest. I'm sorry to say. Oh really? Yeah, there was one incident we had when you were away, and I was doing radio with Taryn. Remember Taryn, lovely Taryn, and uh, and she asked me to read a particular verse, and I thought she said the whole chapter, and I just sat there and read the whole thing, and she didn't interrupt me. <laughs> but I will read for you. Was that chapter longer than 17 verses? I'm not sure. Maybe we won't read the whole thing, but let's just let's just get started into it, and we'll stop where we think it's worth stopping and talking about. I'll just start in verse 12 and you yell. Yeah, you I'll yell. I'll, I'll yell. yell. Say I'll when. Yell. Okay. The city wall was broad and high with 12 gates guarded by 12 angels, and the names of the 12 tribes of Israel were written on the gates. There were three gates on each side, east, north, south, and west. The wall of the city had 12 foundation stones, and on them were written the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Okay, let's stop there. We didn't get far, did we? No, only three verses do. Have you uh, ever seen a building where the foundation is visible? No. The Bible says that the streets of the city are made of pure gold as clear as crystal. In other words, you can see the foundations through the streets, and you can see what they're made out of, and you can see the names written on them. Okay, just something amazing, so Very keep going. Cool. The angel who talked to me held in his hand a gold measuring stick to measure the city, its gates, and its wall. When he measured it, he found it was a square. Ha! It's a square, Lyle. It's different from a cube. As wide as it was long. Oh, yeah, true. In fact, its length and width and height were each 1,400 miles. Then he measured the walls and found them to be 216 feet thick, according to the human standard used by the angel. So, so this is the American translation of the Bible that gives clearly, you... Clearly. Why can't they at least put metric in brackets? I mean, there's like, what, three countries in the world that use that system and they have to use it in their Bible? Yeah. The wall was made of jasper, and the city was pure gold, as clear as glass. The wall of the city was built on foundation stones inlaid with 12 precious stones. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, and the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysophyte, Praise, whatever, and the twelfth Jacinth, and the twelfth, sorry, eleventh Jacinth, and the twelfth Amethyst. Wow, that's a bit of a tongue twister. <coughs> this is this is why I got you to read. Yeah, I'm just thinking, like, this is why he did this. <laughs> <laughs> the twelve gates were made of pearls, each gate from a single pearl, and the main street was pure gold, as clear as glass. I saw no temple in the city. 
Okay, let's stop there for a moment. You know, I'm not so much um, worried about the uh, the pearls. What I really want to see is the shellfish that the pearls came from. Oh yeah, good point. Where where do you where what what kind of a shellfish is that? That's, big. that's, that's enormous. A, that's a big shellfish. I mean, these are these are cities. These are these are walls that that uh, are what two hundred feet, you know, seventy, eighty meters high. You're gonna have big gates in those. That's a big clam. That's some big pearls. That's a big clam. That's a very very big one. Wow, that's uh, yeah. I didn't ever thought about that. That's uh, it's true. <clears throat> okay, verse twenty-two. I saw no temple in the city, for the Lord God Almighty and His Lamb are its temple. Oh, I like that. That's beautiful. Because you've had the temple right the way through the Book of Revelation until this point, haven't you? Yes, it's true. Because the temple is all about dealing with sin, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And now there is no sin, so no why sin. have a temple? You don't need one anymore. True, true as. <clears throat> Uh, and the city has no need of sun or moon, for the glory of God illuminates the city, and the Lamb is its light. The nations will walk in its light, and the kings of the world will enter in the city in all their glory. The gates will never be closed at the end of the day, because there is no night there, and all the nations will bring their glory and honor into the city. Nothing evil will ever be allowed to enter, nor anyone who practices shameful idolatry and dishonesty, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Wow. It's really inspiring. It is. It's incredible. You wonder, why does the city have walls? Uh, I don't know. It doesn't sound like they really need them, does it? <laughs> well, do we, do we put walls around cities today? Nope. How long is it since we have put walls around cities? I don't even remember. You don't remember back that far to when no. they were building walled cities? No. Okay. I can um, see the ruins of them. Like, yeah, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago. The old town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wall, the old town yeah. always has a wall. But it's been hundreds and hundreds of years since walls have been relevant. Mm-hmm. And, of course, of course, walls were relevant back in the day because they were there for defense. What are you going to f- defend the city against? Yeah, good point. I don't know. So why do you have walls? I mean, walls aren't walls just a sign of sin? Is it is it is it because uh, is it because when they have that second death thing happening and they come down and is that pre or post this? This is that's this, that's, 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 that's um, come. It's the end of the millennia, right? That's the end of the millennium. So yeah, the, the, there's walls there. I think I, I see the walls here as being a, uh, a definitely a demarcation. Mm-hmm. They're a demarcation between um, the the boundaries of the city, I guess. But why were they in the demarcation? I guess that God doesn't want this city to sprawl. He's marked the outline of it, and he doesn't want it to sprawl. But needless to say, there are walls, and what purpose those walls serve, I really don't know the answer, but we will find out one day, and I'm sure they serve a very good answer. They are there for a purpose. Maybe they're just there for artistic expression. God does that all the time, doesn't he? That's true. God just is just extravagant in his artistic expression. And that's what you find here in this city when you look at all of the beauty that is contained within it, the various stones that are used, the various materials that are used. This is a city of unimaginable glory. And we can look forward to being there. Make sure that you give your life to Jesus today if you have not done so already. Here
Hey, are you part of camping caravanning scene? Join Australia's largest annual national gathering of travellers and caravanners at the Stewart's Point Convention Centre this year, Stewart's Point, New South Wales. It's an amazing campground among the trees. Inspirational Christian speakers. With incredible music. And beautiful beaches. And a relaxing environment. Be part of the community and make friends for life. May 10 through 18. Stewart's Point Caravan and Convention Centre. Contact Debbie on 02-4994-3220 or simply email graynomads at adventist.org.au. Happy Hearts is a free community craft program for kids aged 1 to 5 designed to encourage growth and creativity through Bible stories. Join us each Tuesday during the school term from 9.30 till 11am at the Senior Citizens Hall, 401 Warburton Highway, Wandon North. For more information or to register, go to happyhandsart.com.au forward slash happyhearts or contact Patricia on 0425 854 516. That's 0425 854 516. Happy Hearts. Free fun for kids and the mess stays with us. to Faith FM, positively different radio. My soul finds rest in God alone. He is my salvation. My soul finds rest in God. He's my fortress, I will not be shaken I got a rock I can lean on and it will stay
back everybody that was uh the idea of north with myself i dressed here on faith fm we still have we still got a clue for our quiz one last clue what city am i the name of this city begins with the letter n oh and n as the clue November. is being read out we have a answer for the somebody has just called through janelle from brisbane has just called through and oh. got it correct oh oh she did Nineveh. yep Good Came on by you, text Janelle. message, and the answer is Nineveh. So, Janelle from Brisbane, congratulations. Be, a prize coming a your way. Of uh, Stephen Bohr's prophecies, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I'm very impressed. I got that on the, ooh, just before the last quiz clue. Yes. Yeah, good on you, Janelle. That was a toughie. Had a lot of people calling in for that one. No one got it right, but for her. Question of the day. Let's hit it. Okay, question that's coming. Actually, came in yesterday while we were talking about um, how to have devotions, and someone asked, I guess, a follow up question to it, or a series of follow up questions. So, this is from so let me see how many of these questions we can get through. If I don't finish them all, we will get to, to the, finish them tomorrow. Yes, okay, so this is from Kieran Burra, and he asked, When I pray to God, what should I pray? Like, what is allowed? And how many times a day should I pray? And how do I meditate? Like, you know, should we meditate? Yeah, okay, so how do we pray to God? What is allowed? Um, what kind of content should our prayers have? Um, first of all, a couple of basic principles. The Bible says that when we pray to God, we pray to the Father. We address our prayer to the Father. Jesus said when he prayed, our Father who is in heaven. That's how he addressed his prayer. Um, we pray to the Father, but we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. So if you go to John chapter uh, 16, for instance, uh, here in verse, uh, sorry, 15 verse 16, it says, You have not chosen me, I have chosen you and ordained you, that you should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, or in my character, because that's what name symbolizes, he may give it to you. So notice that we pray in the name of Jesus, but in Luke chapter 11, where you have the example prayer that Jesus gives, it it says, when you pray, say, our Father who is in heaven. Okay, so we pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. Just some practical pointers here on how to pray. Now, the other thing the person was asking is, what is allowed? Well, the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 18, come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. And so really what we can do is we can talk about anything that we want to with God. Anything that is on our mind, anything that is on our heart is allowed. Any subject at all is allowed with God. Um, I've even known some people who have had some pretty full-on prayers at times where they've been upset and even angry with God because of you know events that have been taking place in their lives. And so they've gone to God in prayer and they've expressed that anger. And uh, God has answered their prayer and God has spoken to them. Okay, so there's nothing that is not allowed. If you look at the example prayer that Jesus gave, and of course this is after Jesus, you know, to put it in context, Jesus has spent a whole night in prayer and his disciples say, teach us to pray. How do you pray? And so we find that in Luke chapter 11, and it's only four verses long. So this is, this is really Jesus just covering you know, bullet points. It's a bullet point prayer. 
You know, this isn't what's known as the Lord's Prayer. You know, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Um, as in heaven, so on earth, give us uh, this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our sins as we forgive those that have sinned against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Um, it's a bullet point prayer. But if you go through that bullet point prayer, there are a number of significant parts to it. First of all, um, he gives by, he begins by giving honor to God. Um, and the second thing is, your kingdom come. He's praying for the return of Jesus Christ. He's praying for God's kingdom to be in his life. He's praying for the church. Uh, your will be done. Your will be done in my life. This is a prayer of surrender. Your will be done in the earth. This is a prayer of request. Um, then, you know, give us this day our daily bread. So he's praying for, you know, present physical needs, whatever those might be. Then, of course, uh, praying for forgiveness because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And as human beings, we tend to sin every day. And so we need to pray for forgiveness of those sins every day. And then, of course, there is a request for character development. Help us to forgive others in the same way that you have forgiven us. Um, protection from temptation, deliver us from evil, and then, of course, finishing off by honouring God again. So that's the example prayer that we have. I'm just going to cut you off there, Lyle. We're going to have to answer the rest of those questions tomorrow, uh, particularly about how many times a day we should pray and how to meditate. Kieran will be answering the rest of that tomorrow, so do stay tuned. If you have a question, feel free to give us a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM. Ask us any question you like. You can text your question 0491-064-669. We'll answer those live on air. Thank you, my Lord, for a beautiful day. Thank you, my Lord, I'm so happy to say. Thank you, my Lord, for the flowers that grow. There would be nothing I know without you. Thank you, my Lord, for the sun in the sky. Thank you, my Lord. I'm so grateful that I thank you, my Lord, for the rivers that flow. There would be nothing I know without you. birds in the tree. Thank you, my Lord, I am down on my knees. Thank you, my Lord, for the rain and the snow. There would be nothing I know without you.
beside me It's BJ Thomas with Thank You My Lord here on Faith FM. We've come to the end of the show. We're about to give something away for free. It won't cost you a thing. All you have to do is give us a call. Our number is 1-800-324-843 or you can text us on 0491-064-669. And this little book we have is called God Has a Home for You. It is a beautiful book, Lyle. It is such a lovely book. I'm going to quickly read out what's on the back. It says, Have you ever wondered about heaven? Is it a real place? And is Jesus truly coming to take his children home? If you've asked these or other questions, you'll find helpful answers in this book. Uh, each chapter in this book is filled with glorious biblical truth regarding Christ's second coming and the home he's preparing for his children. What a precious, joy-inspiring hope is the promise of Jesus Christ's second coming. And I, I, I'm so excited about this book. We've been talking about uh, today about the New Jerusalem, how it's not a cube, as we, we, I originally thought it was, <laughs> and, uh, and about the beauty of this place and about, you know, there's going to be no more tears and no more suffering and no more sorrow. And if you were astounded at what we were talking about and you would like to know some more, then give us a call now. Be the first person to call through 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843. And uh, first caller through, get a copy of God Has a Home for You, a wonderful book by Ellen G. White. Okay, so that's our show for today. And, of course, we'll be back again tomorrow morning with more of the same great programming here on Faith FM. Of course, we're heading up to uh, Big Camp, Stewart's Point, uh, Central North New South Wales Coast. So uh, that'll be happening next week where we'll be live on location. The gentle healer came into our town today. He touched blind eyes and the darkness left to stay. But more than the blindness, he took their sins away. The gentle healer came into our town today. The gentle healer came into our town today. He spoke one word that was all he had to say. And the one who had died just rose up straight away. The gentle healer came into our town today. Oh, he seems like just an ordinary man With dirty feet and rough but gentle hands But the words he says are hard to understand And yet he seems like just an ordinary man The gentle healer, he left our town today. I just looked around and found he'd gone away. Some folks from town have followed him, they say, that the gentle healer...